The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Martin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are raw on Ron Tomatoes and we reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2003's Underworld, directed by Len Wiseman, starring Kate Beckinsale, Scott Speedman, Michael Sheen, Shane Broly, Aaron Leader, and Bill Nye. Underworld is a 2003 action horror film. This movie currently holds a 31% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? Celine, a vampire who is a death dealer hunting lichens, finds herself attracted to a human, Michael Corvin, who is being targeted by the lichens. After Michael is bitten by a lichen, Celine must decide whether to do her duty and kill him or go against her clan and save his life. Okay, Underworld. Now, Martin, you have a very dark, checkered past with this movie. I, uh, I've seen this movie once or twice. I've been around the block with this movie. Was this your first Sojourn. This is my into first the underworld. Through. Yes, this is my first trip into the underworld. So I'm the underworld virgin tonight. Whereas you've seen all of them 15 <laughs> times apiece. No Kevin this week. He has a prior engagement. He's wallowing in his own chaotic, insecure delusions. Wow, nice. <laughs> he actually is right now because his um his marathon was, was canceled. canceled. Right? He's so pissed right now. So it's all right. He's like, it's fun. I only trained for like four months for this. <laughs> Not a big deal. <laughs> Let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did. Okay, Kate Beckinsale. Now, the lovely Kate Beckinsale makes a triumphant return to our show from the dismal whiteout to Underworld. In comparison to Whiteout, this is like a infinite improvement. But Yeah, I think Stanley Kubrick directed this movie in comparison yeah. to Whiteout. Yeah, but at the same time, her acting isn't what draws me to this movie. I wouldn't say that she was good. Yeah, I'm not really sold on Kate Beckinsale, the actress, yet. Considering that I've only ever seen her in two movies, I think. Well, this like, and Whiteout. The, yeah, well, I, I don't think I know her from anything but the Underworld series and then Whiteout. She's really pretty. I mean, I'll give her that. They can only get you so far. There's something I want to say about the acting in this movie that's pretty interesting. See what you think about about it. I think because of the whole vampire gimmick, a lot of these actors had to wear prosthetic fangs in their mouth, and that affected their acting style, because Kate Beckinsale and that other guy who was, like, in charge of the security, you know, the bald guy. Right. These people, like, I could hear them, like, lisping, because they had these fake teeth in their mouth. Like, they, they never got really used to having it in their mouth the whole time in this movie. Do you think that would have happened to Daniel Day-Lewis, or would he just no, have... He, he no, would have just he would wore... have grafted in his mouth, <laughs> worn them for a year. You can definitely hear it in their speech. You can hear lisps, but... Yeah, it's like they don't want to have this crap in their mouth, and it shows. I don't think that there was any vampires in this movie that didn't have, like, a subtle lisp. Okay, next up, Scott Speedman. He was the love interest guy, the human. He was probably the worst of the actors in this movie, I thought. You didn't think he was believable in the hospital when he said that he was bitten by a human? No, he was... Not a dog? I thought he was bad. I thought he was pretty bad. I I have a little fun fact here about this guy. Michael Sheen and Wentworth Miller were both interviewed for the Scott Speedman role. Imagine Michael Sheen doing this instead of being Lucius. No, nor would I want him to do that. Yeah, his character was a bit of a non-entity the whole time. He just kind of was there. Next up, Michael Sheen. Now this guy, I like this actor a lot. He was the absolute best part of Tron Legacy, and he did a really good job in this movie. What do you think of him? Michael Sheen was... Tony Blair in this movie, right? (laughs) Yes, he was Tony Blair. (laughs) 
I, he was the best actor in this movie. His character was. I don't like, agree with you, by the way. I think there's somebody who was better than him. What the? Uh, well, well, yeah. All right, all right. His character was supposed to be like a very double-sided Janice-y kind of character. <laughs> yes, I'm going to. I'm, yeah, I'm going, I'm going to reference like Greek mythology. Oh, uh, you're referencing Golden Golden Eye. No, no, you jackass. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason he's called Janice. Whatever. Well, for anybody who knows Greek mythology, he was he was very like uh, two-faced and he was very conniving, and it came across very well. I like Michael Sheen to be more over the top like he was in Tron. From now on, that's what I want to see from this guy. Like that, or like that, the character he played in Tron. That was fantastic. And finally, Bill Nye. Not the science guy, mind you. This guy is most famous for portraying Davy Jones in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. The whole time I was listening to his voice and I was like, I know this. I know that guy. Who is this? But no, I think he was the absolute best actor in this movie. Like he really lived up to his role. He played... Victor, right? Yeah, Victor, like the head of all the bands vampires and he, he really dove into this role and took it it didn't go so well for him so what do you think of him uh, I thought he was probably the second best like I definitely like, like I, these I, two guys I definitely understand what you're saying like he's supposed to be like this insanely powerful and king like figure and he definitely pulls that off very well he comes across very powerful and uh, his direction of everybody else and his air is absolute over everybody yeah these two guys Michael Sheen and Bill Nye like these are real actors these guys can act and they were acting circles around everything Every single other person in this movie. They're all trying to catch up to them. Do you know how like frustrating it must have been for them to be for in them? Yeah. I'm pretty sure Michael Sheen is a knight. Like he's been knighted. Like his name says OBE next to it on Wikipedia. In under <laughs> he's running a- around topless. <laughs> like what am I doing here? <laughs> Let me discuss the brief history of this movie, and I'll sprinkle a couple fun facts in at the end, too. You know, live in the mood. Okay, the film was the subject of a copyright infringement lawsuit filed by White Wolf, Inc. and Nancy A. Collins, claiming the setting was too similar to The Vampire, The Masquerade, and Werewolf, The Apocalypse Games, both set in the World of Darkness setting and the Sonia Blue vampire novels. White Wolf filed 17 counts of copyright infringement and claimed over 80 points of unique similarity between White Wolf's game systems and the movie. White Wolf, Inc. also claimed the script was very similar to a story entitled The Love of Monsters, which they published and was written by Nancy A. Collins. In September 2003, a judge granted White Wolf an expedited hearing. The lawsuit ended in a confidential settlement. The follow-up story, Underworld Evolution, was released January 2006. The prequel, Underworld Rise of the Lycans, which gives more detail as to the creation of the lycan species, that's a great one, was released January 23rd, 2009. A third sequel has been planned with Kate Beckinsale signed to reprise the role of Celine. The film's title is Underworld Awakening and its release date of January 20th, 2012. Can't okay. wait. Yeah, and some fun facts here. The movie was initially pitched as Romeo and Juliet for vampires and werewolves. Isn't that Twilight? No, 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 that no, down no, Twilight? no. That's not Twilight because these are two different clans, two different species. Montague and Montague Capulet. And, and Capulet. So the vampire Vampires are obviously Montague. Okay. According to writer-actor Kevin Grevio, the model for the Celine character was the psychic vampire of the Hellfire Club in the X-Men comics, the Black Queen Celine. <laughs> nice. 
Kate Beckinsale first met future husband Len Wiseman on the set, just like Mila Jovovich and Paul W.S. Anderson. And another Mila Jovovich connection, Mila Jovovich appears on the Underworld soundtrack on the song Rocket Collecting. Okay, Underworld. You know, this movie's rated R. Why? Let me ask you, why do you think it's rated R? Probably um, the end scene where Victor's head gets cut in half. And I kind of, they said the F word three times. This movie doesn't need to be rated R, I think. Yeah, it should be it's rated It's pretty PG-13. Yeah, it is. They, they added that stuff in the end there for like no reason. Okay, so this movie starts off with a pretty rich backstory as to what's going on between the vampires and the lichens, which are werewolves. Yeah, she, she basically explains that she is called a death dealer dealer that come all right stop come on come on that's dumb right that's stupid i think that's cool death dealer that's cool man no it's not all right she's a dealer of death oh great all right ne- next she's in a bell tower where is she a belfry she's in some type of old structure old medieval structure <laughs> and she jumps off and i guess she falls like 40 stories and she essentially falls, hits on her feet, and just kind of like, it doesn't show like she had any weight to her body, like she weighed nothing. And it was raining, and none of the water displaced. No water displaced. <laughs> it was like, it was, it was, <laughs> I didn't like really know like what, what to make of that. No, I guess it's supposed to be like they're super graceful, right? I was super confused as to how she was able to get her body to do that. <laughs> she jumped 40 stories, and it looked like she stepped down a flight of stairs. Yeah, exactly. And, and there was a crowd of people, too, and no one noticed. No one Cared. No one cared. No one knows. There was somebody like that, like almost like hit her with like his umbrella <laughs> as like she fell. <laughs> the atmosphere of this movie, the way that it looks as far as grain, <laughs> the way that it looks as far as like color palette and uh, kind of like the, it has like this grunge feel to it. It's like this grungy, gonna, it's, dirty. It has feel. that bleach processing look where everything is blue. Yeah. You know, this movie owes a lot to the Matrix, like a lot. I don't think this movie could have existed if there wasn't the Matrix. Specifically, the Matrix sequels, didn't they come out at the same time, 2003, like around here. Yeah. These movies owe a lot to that. Like er- everything about it, like the, the camera angles, the slow motion, the way the characters are dressed, yeah. the environment, the music, some of the weird sound effects that are in it. Very, very Matrixy. this movie. Selena's character is literally dressed. She, yeah, she like walked right out of the Matrix. Yeah. She might as well have been Trinity. Yeah. And, and like the vampires, like the Merovingian and his buddies, like they, they have the same kind of chateau and everything. Yeah, yeah. But I, I didn't mind it. I mean, I, I like that aesthetic, but I'm just saying that it's interesting to see how profound of an impact the Matrix has had. Just on cinema in general. In, in general, like everyone has is copying it. I'll tell you one thing. The first gunfight scene, I had a blast watching that. Kate Beckinsale is stalking some werewolves who are in turn stalking a human being and they go into a subway and they have a very Matrix-like gun battle in the subway. And this is where we come to find out that the vampires are not immortal. They can't be killed because the werewolves have these magic bullets bullets that when you shoot them, light shoots out of their light eyes. comes out. Wait, I don't They distill light into bullet form? I don't Do you care to explain that? You're the expert here. It was produced by the military as a <laughs> tracking device. It is, uh... What? Chemically luminescent. It, uh, is a chemical that emits ultraviolet radiation. Because in case they want to do a MRI scan on... <laughs> no, no, no. In <laughs> case... They shoot somebody? In case they, they shoot somebody and they get away, they're able to track them. Oh, yeah, we get to see our first werewolf transformation. I'm not sold on this werewolf transformation compared to something like The Wolfman, which is the movie you saw. Yeah. Right? That had really cool transformations, right? It did, but that movie was worse than this. Maybe I'm not sold completely on the CG in this movie, but I do like the character designs. 
designs. Oh, the werewolves? Yeah, yeah. By the that- way, they really sold this movie as like an action adventure kind of thing. Going into it, I thought there was going to be just a gunfight after gunfight. I really thought this was going to be another Resident Evil kind of movie. That's no, how they sold no, it. No, no, right? no. Right? They, they sold it as like a Resident Evil movie, pretty much. And there is very little gunfighting or werewolf transformations. This is a talkie from beginning to end. It's a lot of plot, a lot of exposition. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that I was expecting it to be one thing and I got another. And quite frankly, I'm kind of happy I got this instead of Resident Evil. No, I. these movies are definitely advertised as being just, you know, an action flip. It might as well just be Mila Jovovich instead of Kate Beckinsale. Might as well be. That's how they sold it. But the story behind these movies is actually pretty interesting. We meet Kate Beckinsale's friends and it's all these aristocratic vampire types. And the guy who's currently in charge of the vampires, he's one of the worst actors I've seen in a while. He, his character's name was Craven. Like he was in charge of everybody. Which I, which I thought was a pretty ironic name for a vampire. Yeah. Craven. He, yes. Yeah. He's Craven. Craven the hunter. He's craving some blood. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> jeez. Yeah, so I thought this guy was, was pretty poor. What do you think of his acting style? Horrible. Um, his acting actually made me dislike the character. That, more was, the than po- the, that was the point? Yeah, I, I don't know. I do know this, though. I know that when I was first introduced to his character and that, like, very aristocratic, like, group of people, my suspension of disbelief was, like, it fleeted away for, like, <laughs> it a... exploded? No, no, no. It fleeted away for, like, a moment because, like, I really get immersed in these movies and <laughs> they are not believable at all, but I really like this stuff, so... A little backstory on me, like, I really enjoy vampire movies. I've said it before in previous podcasts. It's a well-known fact. Yeah, it is a well-known fact. And, all right, so my suspension of disbelief fleeted away for a moment, and the movie felt corny, and then I was embarrassed to be watching it because I was watching it with, like, other people in the room, and I'm like, oh, no, now they know how bad. Like, (laughs) (laughs) they know know how much I like this movie, and it's really bad. Let me go off on a quick tangent for a second. So this movie, it's kind of like Aliens versus Predator, Freddy versus Jason, where it's the vampires versus the werewolves, right? Who am I supposed to root for? Because ultimately, they want to kill human beings, right? No matter who wins, you lose. lose. Uh, great. It's kind of an interesting thing because humans don't really factor into this movie at all. Like no. they're, they're mentioned as being on the periphery and how they're not allowed to show themselves in front well, of humans. Well, the Romeo and Juliet analogy is pretty good th- uh, then because who are you supposed to root for? Montague or Capula? Capulet. <laughs> Capula. <laughs> Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> Montague or Dracula. Yeah, all right. If I had to pick one, I guess I'm going to go with the werewolves because I'm sick of vampires. I'm, I've had my fill. That's a well-known fact about me. I've, I've had enough. Well, you're supposed to root for Ro- Romeo and Juliet. Especially this style of vampires, which is the kind of vampires I don't like, the aristocratic millionaire playboys. These vampires are weird because they have, like, fully functioning bodies, like their heartbeats, they they need blood to survive. Well, that's the thing. That's one of the interesting things about this movie that I liked. They flat-out state that vampirism and lycanthropy are not magical at all. No, it's a not- disease, the virus. Yeah. I was like, you know what? Great job. Well done. They also, like, flat out said that anybody who suffers from lycanthropy has a severe allergic or aversion to silver and it kills them. And then the aversion to ultraviolet radiation is true for anybody that has vampirism. But I I always thought that, like, silver killed vampires as well. No, that's werewolf. I know. I'm aware that it kills werewolves. I thought that it killed vampires also. You're thinking of garlic. No, I'm (laughs) I'm positive that silver kills vampires also. I'm not thinking of garlic. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, so we're shown that this mad scientist is essentially trying to develop something with the blood of these people. What it is, we don't know yet, but it's alluded that for whatever reason, it's going to help the werewolves fight the vampires and gain an edge on their war against them. They then cut away again, and we are put in another fight scene where Selena has... Selene? Just Selena. She died. Yeah, Selena. She 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 she's just singing. <laughs> <laughs> Selene analyzes the image from the video cameras in the subway and figures out who this person is, who this person that the Lycans are after is. It's just some Joe Schmo. Regular guy. Could well, be you, you know, could be me. Could be anybody. But uh, it turns out that it's a surgeon. I don't know how she figured it out. She like zoomed in on his face and then she pulled that <laughs> old classic movie trick where enhance. enhance image. And it's like five pixels and it turns into a full <laughs> face. <laughs> yeah. Which doesn't work, by the way. People. Yeah, th- that's impossible. You, you can't, can't add put information there. That there. That's not, yeah, that just doesn't work. <laughs> oh my God. It, by the way, I thought this was a lot of fun. We, got into, we find out that this guy, Michael, he is an intern at a hospital, but his fellow intern is the guy from Prison Break, Wentworth Miller. Really? Yeah, I was like, hey. <laughs> and I think this is around the same time that Prison Break started. So right after this, he started breaking out of prisons for a living. So She goes to his apartment, which is being ransacked by lichens. <laughs> being renovated by lichens. <laughs> <laughs> it's being decorated by lichens. And yeah, they have a, another extremely matrixy. Where the lichens are running against the wall. And what she does- I don't like she, this, by the way. I, I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. It looks horrible. It is a really bad, it's, it's very video gamey. That's it the is. kind of thing you would see in House of the Dead, the video game, where a monster's running on the sides of the walls and you gotta shoot him down. It looks- House cool. of the Dead 2. It looks exactly like that, though. But I, the matrixy thing that you're talking about is her shooting the hole through the floor. Yeah, not just that, but like- there's That that actually pissed me off. And I was really confused because she's holding what are the equivalent to, you know, nine millimeter- Two semi-automatic. Two semi-automatic handguns. They hold hundreds of bullets. Hundreds of thousands. And she, she <laughs> shoots a hole in the floor <laughs> to escape and drops down. And when the floor drops out and we see the cross section of the floor- It's like 10 feet thick. <laughs> It's like steel in it. <laughs> it's like 10 feet thick. It is solid concrete. By the way, y- you'll enjoy this. Just like in The Mummy, when the Mythbusters had to crack the case of the magic mirrors, they also, in the same episode, they tackled the case of the underworld floor to see if it's possible to shoot through a floor. The hell are the chances of that where we've got two, two <laughs> movies in the past four weeks where the Mythbusters are testing myths? <laughs> well, I'll leave it up to you. What do you think? Myth? plausible? Yeah, but I think it would destroy the floor. I'm pretty sure it was myth busted on this one. Was it? Yeah, I don't think they could shoot through. And then they used multiple different kinds of weapons, and they were like, this is stupid. Like, why would they do this? (laughs) I think it's possible. You can dare to dream, but uh, yeah. Yeah, so this is when the uh, the love story kicks in, because Kate Beckinsale gets hurt during this encounter. Our boy Michael, he's a Cracker Jack surgeon or whatever. She passes out while driving. The car flips into the ocean. He saves her life. Just like I, robot. He saves her life. In the river. <laughs> hey, hey, but be- before this scene, you get like a really cool scene. Uh, oh? Yeah. Oh? Because. <laughs> oh? Oh. <laughs> Michael Sheen gets shot multiple times with these silver bullets from Celine, and he drinks Michael Corman's blood, and then it just shows these bullets kind of like popping oh, out I of his like flesh. This. I did like I this. I did like I thought that that looked really good. Yeah. It was and in cool. comparison to the way that it showed the werewolves transforming or running on the wall, it was like they spent a lot of time on these bullets and like, like almost no time on the werewolves <laughs> running on the wall. 
as far as like the CG Well, I mean, this movie's goes. like two hours long. How much actual werewolf time do you think is this movie? Five minutes? Yeah. Which is kind of interesting, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's easy to have a vampire on the screen because they don't do anything, right? Except jump around a little bit. Like House of Pain. Jump up, jump up, and get, get down. down. <laughs> when she passed out, I didn't get this because one of the things about vampires is that they drink blood to stay alive. They have to or else they'll die. But they're not drinking it to like fill their bodies up with blood. But in this movie, like it gives you a strong implication that they're drinking other people's blood to use for their blood. And so when she gets shot, she actually like loses consciousness from blood loss. I thought that was really weird. How do you prefer your vampires to be bloodless? You shoot them and like powder shoots out of them? Like... (gasps) Steam shoots out of them. I prefer their body to just... Steampunk vampires. Yeah, that's what I I want. (laughs) I want a cyberpunk vampire. All right. Now you're going in the wrong direction. I want them to be like an interview with a vampire, vampires. Millionaire playboys. Yeah, sure. Dashing, debonair, handsome beefcake. (laughs) Yes, that's that's what I want from all my vampires. (laughs) Hot beef. I want all my vampires to look like Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. Michael is then captured and he... Well, he's not captured. He's brought back to their coven. Is that a good word for it? Oven. Their Dutch oven. Michael's goose was cooked, so he was brought back oh, to, to the vampire's oh, oven. Oh, <laughs> I deserve to be dashed with stones. <laughs> May you die for that. Okay, so he was brought back to their coven, and he wakes up, and I guess startles one of the other vampire women who find him attractive. She makes a point of saying that he's cute for a human. Yeah. You wrote that in your notes too, right? Yeah. You thought he was pretty cute for a human. Yeah. <laughs> for a human, he was pretty cute. <laughs> What does that imply? Like, what, what do you usually go for? <laughs> the female vampire that's staring at him very creepily, very Edward-esque. Very, uh, whoa! Yeah. Hey! Yeah. Watching him while he sleeps. Yeah, watching but, him while he sleeps. But she takes it to the next level and starts touching him, fondling him. <laughs> Massaging his face. <laughs> yeah, serial killer so style. So he wakes up, and I don't know why this startles her, because he can't do anything to her. She's essentially invulnerable. She sees the bite mark, the lichen bite mark on his clavicle. Right, and he, she jumps up onto the ceiling and grasps it. Like, like a, a cartoon cat. And That's then it, that turns, was Looney Tunes. She turns and then hisses at him. I rolled my eyes a thousand times. I went, woo, 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 at this point, he's still a human. You would have to agree with that, right? I don't see a rise of the lichens yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's immediately implied that Celine has some type of sexual attraction to him. Wait, and to he, who? To, oh, Michael. to Michael. Yeah, yes, yes. And there's no yes. evidence for that yes. at all. Yeah, okay, yeah. Let's, I'm glad you bring that up because this whole movie hinges on this whole concept of Kate Beckinsale falling in love with this guy, the Michael Speedman guy. There is no chemistry between them at all. None. Like, okay, he saved her life. All right, okay, cool. All the other factors that you would need to fall in love love with somebody. They're not there at all. They barely even talk to each other in this movie. I mean, Joel, you're no Dr. Drew, but you know what it takes. I'm more of a Dr. Doolittle. You know what it takes to get the, uh, the ladies? To, to get the romance connection. Yeah, sure. You have to at least talk to a girl more than five minutes. <laughs> you have to talk to a girl before for more than falls, five seconds before, before she, she loses consciousness. <laughs> yeah, before she falls in love with you. Alright, he spoke to her for five seconds. She got shot, lost consciousness. Then she fell in love with him. So it's, it's lust, really, right? Well, that's brought up. He's like, you're infatuated with him. Is that is that what it is? It's lust? I, I can understand that. I mean, that makes sense. This is the same kind of problem we're There's, facing with, like, Twilight, right? Like, she's a thousand years old or whatever. So, why is this rinky-dink chump of any interest to her? Yeah, you should have, essentially, the same life experience maturity of, like, a five-year-old in comparison to a full-grown adult. We come to find out that Craven is in league with Martin Sheen, who's Lucian, the head of... Martin Sheen? Yeah, Martin Short. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's in league with Lucian, who is in the head of the werewolves. I wrote cahoots. Okay. Yeah, he, he's, in cahoots. he's in cahoots. Yeah. And he's supposed to be dead. Lucian, like, Craven was supposed to have killed Lucian. And Kate Beckinsale decides that enough is enough and decides to resurrect the lord of all the vampires. Now, who- apparently what's going on is there are three elder vampires, and they go through time jumps where they <laughs> stay in yeah, this, like, I, I thought that was stasis. Weird terminology for it. The way he said it, like jumping through time. Like you're not time traveling, you're just hibernating, but whatever. Right. I actually like this concept a lot. I thought there's a really cool idea where there's these three majorly powered vampires, two asleep, one will one awake. One awake. They swap when it's their turn to reign. And Blood rain. Oh wow. Thank you. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. It's supposed to be this guy Marcus is supposed to be woken up like in a two days or whatever. But Kate Beckinsale breaks the chain and wakes up Bill Nye instead. All right, so this whole time the werewolves are trying to figure out some kind of mystery with the blood. It turns out that our boy Michael here, he is like descended from the original vampire and they want to use his blood to create a vampire werewolf hybrid, which is Martin's ultimate wet dream. Dreams do come true, Joel. Yeah, because we'll, we'll get that eventually, but that's what they want to do. That's, that's their goal. Because eventually, I guess, such a person would tip the balance of power. So thoroughly that they can't, they, they can't have that. Yeah, so that's that's the, that's pretty much the, the crux of this movie. That's what they're trying to do. The whole while, Michael is converting into a werewolf. Like, he's changing, he's becoming more violent, things like that are happening, so. He's becoming more abusive, he's drinking, he's not going to work anymore, he it's hard to get him out of bed in the morning. He smell liquor on his breath all hours <laughs> of the night. He's really loud, he comes in at three in the morning and wakes all the kids up. Beats his wife. <laughs> I didn't know werewolf, like, like, canthropy was analogous with alcoholism. <laughs> That's really what happens. <laughs> a wolf bites you, just become an alcoholic. <laughs> that's, all, that's all that really happens. <laughs> Victor then shows up at the this secret. I guess I guess it's not really much of a secret because they they know where it is. But it's the werewolf hideout, right? It's in a sewer, a smelly, a smelly poo gas filled sewer. sewer. Yeah, yeah. He shows up. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Like he kills uh, Victor, kills a werewolf with his bare hands. That that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's he's got this ultimate sword with him. Yeah, it kills people with it. It's in this scene where you can see like the power difference between the regular vampires that are going around hunting these werewolves and. The, the werewolves are on par, if not stronger, than these vampires that are hunting them. Yeah. And then you see Victor just, it's not even a contest. Yeah, he's supposed to be like the end-all, be-all, like the most powerful one. Before this scene, he punched this guy in the face and just like murdered him. I thought this was yeah. a great scene. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so we, we just fast forward to the end and um, Victor, our, our boy Michael, he eventually becomes converted into the werewolf-vampire hybrid thing. A guy with like dark charcoal-colored skin, black hair, black, completely black eyes. What do you think of him? He looks like somebody dumped crude oil on him. Yeah, he was swimming in the BP oil spill. That's what he looks like. And and then they threw vampire fangs on him. Yeah. It looks like some deviant art kid came up with this character design. He moves around super fast. He's fighting Victor. This is Yeah, he moves around so fast it's like he's teleporting, like Jumper. Right. And But then Victor is fighting on par with him. I I, I was like, this fight doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't. And it bothered me because he 
He's unbelievably strong. He's essentially teleporting. Here's a question for you. You just became this creature, right? This this creature that's never existed. How are you able to control your powers at your all? Powers at all? Right. If anything, you should be huddled on the ground screaming in pain because you just went through this insane metamorphosis, right? His entire body structure changed. Yeah, he's not a human being anymore. That's for sure. Or a werewolf. Or anything. <laughs> He's less than nothing. He's less. <laughs> you mean less than nothing to me. Kate Beckinsale shows up. She grabs Victor's sword. And in the stupidest scene in this movie, she slashes Victor in the face and then jumps 17,000 feet into the air. <laughs> I did not get this at all. She's just like, it looks she, she was not capable of this at any other time in the movie. And then all of a sudden she was able to. There's this insane vertical leap. Like what? It doesn't even look good. It's not cool at all. Like, this is dumb. I thought it was a really anticlimactic way to kill this guy. He was supposed to be the end-all, be-all most powerful vampire ever, and all it takes is a, a slash from a sword. The sword right? should, like, bend or break or something. Not just that, but, like, if that's all it takes to kill this guy, then Craven should have done that years ago while he was sleeping, a, right? Like, in his shriveled-up state. Yeah, Grabbed well, I, his sword and slashed him with it. Killed him. Because he wanted power so badly. Right. I don't know. There are a lot of plot holes in this movie, but I still like it. Yeah, I could tell. All right, so this movie ends with a shot of the sacred palace room where Victor was. And on the ground, there's a guy who they had killed before the end of the movie. And his blood is draining into the manhole that currently houses Marcus, the other super vampire. And he's supposed to be whatever, leading. Yeah. And so blood is dripping into his mouth. And the implication being that he's going to wake up for part two. He does wake up. His eyes open at the end of the movie. So he's going to wake up and he's going to pop up for part two. I gotta admit, I'm kind of curious to see where this thing goes next. Really? I am. I am. I, I want to see what Marcus looks like. That's who, the who, only who plays him? I'm not telling you. You have uh, to go watch Okay, I guess I'm gonna have to go <laughs> see it for myself. Yeah. Okay, so that's it. That was Underworld. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. By any reasonable standard, this dark vampire epic, all massive overacting, cologne commercial design, and sexy cat suits, sucks. Andrew O'Hare, Salon.com. A noisy, tiresome affair that can't manage one moment of wit or real tension. Tom Long, Detroit News. And finally, it needs a wooden stake and a silver bullet through its script. Deson Thomas, Washington Post. Okay, Martin, this movie currently holds a 31% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad? Yes. This movie's very bad. Really? Yeah. Is this your guilty pleasure? Oh, absolutely. This movie uh, has horrendous acting. This movie's story is really corny. It's almost like it's conceited. It's trying to be something complicated, something abstract, something like emotional without actually writing a story for it. So you have this really cool backstory and these really cool ideas, and then they're just never executed. And then the story that you do get is like not that good. Okay, so we have bad acting. We have a bad script. We have bad CG. And uh, I really like this movie. It's like a sin for me to like this movie, but it is my guilty pleasure. I really like the subject matter. And I, it's a cool, like, uh, fantasy movie for me. So I'm going to give it a uh, four out of five. Okay. I was actually quite surprised with how I ended up liking this movie. I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. I really like the intricate backstory that they've developed, like the rules for themselves. And right, right, all right. This stuff. Like, I, I thought the mythology of the vampire and the werewolves was really cool. That 
that was a really good job. Bill Nye was great in this. So was uh, Michael Sheen. You know, they, they did a pretty good job. I mean, I don't know about Kate Beckinsale, but yeah. But like I said before, I'm surprised there was a, not as much action in this movie that I thought there was going to be. But oh well, I, I enjoyed it. Surprisingly, I guess I'm still writing on a high or the low. I, I'm not sure which from Resident Evil. So really two weeks straight? Two weeks straight. It's, it's had that much of an impact on my life. The, that that movie was that bad. Yeah. So I'm going to give Underworld a three, like solid three. This nice. is Constantine territory. No, 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 no. Con <laughs> Constantine's a five out of five. Yeah. Get, all right. Come on. <laughs> You know what? I am willing to watch the other ones. As opposed to Resident Evil, where I never want to even say the words Resident Evil again. Okay, we got some voicemails. I'll play those for you right now. To listen to your messages, press 1. Hi, this is Jennifer from Maryland, and I'm almost a little bit embarrassed to leave this review for Underworld. I don't remember much about the movie, but I do remember my movie-going experience. This movie came out in high school, right around the time that my friends and I were really into that game, The Masquerade, where it's like role-playing vampires and werewolves. And it wouldn't have been so bad, except uh, the guy I went to see the movie with was continually whispering in my ears through the whole, whole movie, oh, that's like the Toreador, or that guy's a Bruja, and other types of vampires that you could play in that game. It was really distracting, and uh, suffice to say, I, it, it kind of ruined the movie-going experience for me. But other than that, I think I've seen it... Uh, a couple times since then. It's a pretty solid movie, but uh, I, I can't watch it without uh, just thinking to myself, man, that guy said to Toreador. Hi, I'm Brandon from Maryland, and um, I saw Underworld when I was like 16, and I thought I really liked it, and I haven't seen it since. It was when, you know, it was when like Hollywood Video was still open. That might be a regional thing, Hollywood Video, Blockbuster, one of those. And um, I was fine with it, except for the dude in all black which was like it's it's such I don't remember much of that film I remember that the bullets had liquid silver in them when I was 16 I thought that was really cool and I remember that the guy who was both a werewolf and a vampire like when they revealed him it is a memory that I that it's still like is just kind of sadness to me because it's just the least exciting moment in that entire like they, they set it up that this this has never happened before and it's just in like black tar paint and that's it and that was really like like they should have never showed him I usually don't think that in films but they just should have never showed him it really bummed me out and like it stayed the bummed out stayed with me hey guys it's Shannon from Oak Hill Ohio and I just want to give you my thoughts on the movie Joshua Rufin uh, Underworld the truth is I haven't seen this movie in for several years but uh, what I remember when I last saw it was uh, that it was I thought it was pretty decent if unremarkable movie um, I thought Kate Bakesell was pretty good as the lead even though she basically had one emotion the whole entire time um, but uh, she did look nice in the tight leather outfit that was no explanation why she wore it but I'm not going to complain just like, offers awesome reputation she's a little bit hit and miss for me in a lot of his roles and this one was I would say a miss because I just was kind of boring and blah I don't know if he was part of the character or what but he wasn't really that interesting to me and his chemistry with Basel was uh Pretty much non-existent. That was probably the weakest part of the movie, just buying that there was going to be some kind of romance between these two characters. But uh, I like the the character actor. I like Bill Nye's performance, and I like Michael Sheen back before he was well well known, better known than what he is, well less known than what he is now. But uh, and I also thought the creature effects for the license was very well done. I mean, practical and it wasn't the whole fully CGI. 
But the last model, fan actioner, uh, is it really very bad? The uh, 30% of the male's bad? Uh, I would say no, but uh, I would say definitely rant it before you watch it. End of new messages. Thanks for those voicemails, guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. Okay, now it's time for listener mail. Miles writes in and says, I wanted to say a couple things about House of Wax. First of all, Kevin mentioned shooting at car tires. Police don't shoot at car tires for two reasons that I can figure. One is for liability purposes. In the gun world, they are fond of saying that any bullet you fire has a lawyer's name attached. That bullet you launch at a tire could miss or bounce off and hit some innocent bystander or plow through a window or door and hit someone in their house. Secondly, despite some popular myths, a lot of cops are not good shots. In some cases, they don't even like guns. Don't get me wrong, there are plenty that are excellent shots, but even a skilled marksman would have a hard time hitting a relatively small patch of rubber rotating at high speed. There you go. And that's Kevin's number one complaint. He's always bitching about the Sorry, Kevin. All right. Shannon writes in and asks, Hey guys, I've noticed that all the films that you've reviewed have been films that have come from the early 90s till right now. I was just wondering if there's a reason that you haven't reviewed any films from the 80s, 70s, or earlier. I think there's a treasure trove of films from those eras that'd be great to look back on from Shannon. I have a lot to say on this issue. So, So do I. There's a very specific reason why this show is structured the way it is, where we only watch movies that came out like fairly recently, like in the past 10 years, 10, 15 years or so, with, uh, maybe in the 80s. But when we go that far into the 80s, the rule is it has to be a movie that everybody knows. Like we've all seen them, right? That'd be like famous. Exactly. Because we want the vast majority of our audience to have at least had some exposure to what we're going to review. Yeah, that's why. And one of the other reasons is because let's say that there's a million movie podcasts out there. I mean, that's like being conservative. There's a million movie podcasts out there. Of that million, half of them are bad movies movie podcasts. And of that majority, almost all of them do these movies from like the 80s and the 70s. And they all pick like really crazy, obscure movies. So this is just one way that we can differentiate ourselves from everybody else by doing these recent movies. And on top of that, I just don't have any interest in watching old movies like that. I have no appreciation for them. Like I, I'm not going to sit down and watch some random movie from 1960 for this. Like I, I, I wouldn't get any enjoyment out of it. And another thing, like I would say that the majority of the movies movies that we watch for the show are movies that I probably would have watched anyway without the podcast. You know, whereas I, those older movies are movies that I never would have watched. I think I've seen all the movies that we've reviewed. There's been a few that I haven't, but almost all of them I've already seen before. And as for these internet classic movies like Troll 2, The Room, that people are always asking us to do, like if right. we do it, I'm kind of hesitant to do them because every podcast does Troll 2 and they all do The Room. So there's like a million different takes on the issue. But I guess people want to hear what we have to say about it. So I don't know if I'll flat out say no. Maybe we'll do it in the future. I don't know. But I'd say it's probably more likely that we would do The Room yeah. than Troll 2. Well, who knows? Who knows what the future holds, but I don't know. Okay, next up, Edward writes in and says, hey guys, it's Ed from DC. I just listened to the Resident Evil episode and it was great. The best one yet. And I've heard them all. I just want to express my support for those old school video game and Nickelodeon references. Joel, you need to stop censoring Martin or maybe give us a cutting room floor episode or something. We live for that stuff. By the way, I'm one of those douchebags who would slide around on one knee in Goldeneye. God, I freaking hated that. So yeah, how do you feel about that? That uh, he was one of those douchebags that slid around on one knee in Goldeneye? That bothers take, me. Take take off the muzzle and let you run wild with uh, obscure reptar references. <laughs> and, 
Listen, Hunker listen. Hunker burger jokes. Listen, listen. There's kind of a lot of comments. You have no idea what Joel has cut out of this show. Gems. Well, I cut myself, too. Like, I say you some do. stupid No, crap. you say some really stupid stuff, but it, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we, like, <laughs> we, we both make references that are outrageously obscure, and yeah, they are like 90s Nickelodeon, you know, stuff that's from when we were, we, we were kids, but I mean, some of it has to get cut. It's so obscure. It's so ridiculous. It's, it's so ridiculous and obscure that it's almost embarrassing. I wouldn't want to hear myself say it. Yeah, okay. Next episode, we'll talk about the Pirates of Dark Water for an hour straight. <laughs> Just for you, Ed. <laughs> All right. We'll talk about biker mice on Mars for 45 From minutes. Mars! You're thinking of the Cowboys of Moo Mesa. All right. Oh, okay. man! That's, all right, that's enough. <laughs> all right, uh, next up, uh, Johan writes in, says, Hi, guys. Don't know if it's too late. Just wanted to say hi from sunny Cape Town, South Africa. All right. Nice, huh? Pretty cool. Oh, yeah, please do more dramatic readings like your review of Showgirls. That was awesome. Now, I want to say something about the dramatic readings that he, he brings up. Some history on the dramatic readings. There's the dramatic readings came to be for two reasons. One, the official reason, which is for copyright. Like, I, it's kind of a gray area like putting movie clips into your show. Like, I, I just don't want to have to deal with it. But the real reason I don't do it is because I'm a lazy bastard and I don't want to spend time cutting clips. <laughs> so we came up with this idea of just like reading them and that's what we ended up with. And But the they're actually funnier. Yeah, it's funnier when we do them, but the reason that we don't do them in every episode is because whenever we do a dramatic reading, it's because something in the movie like really jumped out in our faces as being something stupid. So I would rather it be something organic like that than us like force it in every episode to try to find something stupid. Because not every movie has something dumb in it. Like, I don't think Underworld had something in it that, like, jumped out in your face as being, like, that insanely bad that we had to... No, it, I, I can't remember anything, but in Showgirls, I still remember. Claire writes in and says, Hey, guys, just wanted to drop a line and say that after listening to six or so random episodes, you guys are doing a great job. And she wants to say hi from London. There's another hey. one signing in. Joel, in the House of Wax episode, you mentioned that you find actors pretending to smell something bad hilarious. Have you thought about reviewing Reeker? Or it's crazier sequel, Reeker 2, Rise of Reeker. <laughs> I've never even heard of such I've, a thing. I've never heard. This movie <laughs> sounds like it's right up your alley, though. Like, you yeah. probably watch it every day. Well, Claire, I'll, I'll refer you to that little speech I just gave a couple emails ago about my lust for old, obscure movies. And finally, Nick writes in and says, I've been noticing in recent episodes that constantly watching bad movies seems to be getting you down a bit. I had an idea of how you might address that. This is not a recent thing. It's been getting us down like since a the, year. for a year straight now. <laughs> Me and Joel have been depressed now for <laughs> It's like we had like a radioactive rock and it's just like slowly <laughs> It's slowly killing us. us. Yeah. <laughs> His advice for us to break the spell. Once a month, you should do a Yeah, It's That Good special where you look at a movie that is 100% on Rotten Tomatoes and see if it could possibly be as good as a critic's claim. Just a good idea. You know, a lot of people have been requesting this concept. Um, we should probably just do it. Let's, 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 let's just do it. You know what? This, this, this is what I'm going to say. If we do this, and we probably will at some point, I'm going to make it a Facebook online only exclusive. So click that like button right now if you want to hear this potential Jeez. super episode. Okay, thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yeahitsthatbad at gmail.com. There's a lot of behind the scenes content there. I actually would prefer the emails be like them asking us questions about what we think about things or like why we do certain things as opposed to I'm waiting for someone to ask things. us like where we record this. Where are you? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not, not like where in the United States, like, like, where is this recorded? Like, where the, physically. addresses? <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, is this in a recording studio? Is this... I can break the spell right now. We are inside of a toilet. You know? <laughs> which, is, which is 
That's why it sounds the way we it are, does. We are, we are in a porta potty, potty right now. <laughs> On the side of the interstate. Yeah. <laughs> now it's time to read the answers from the question of the week. And last week's question of the week was, what was the first movie you ever saw in theaters? And we got a wide range of these. So let me blast through these as fast as I can. Jack writes in and says, hey guys, first movie I can remember seeing in theaters was the family masterpiece Homeward Bound. Later down the road, I was living in Chicago with myself and a friend were asked on the street to be interviewed about movies. We accepted, of course, and when they asked us to talk about our favorite movie characters, we gave an extremely in-depth, critical analysis of the comic banter between Sassy the Cynical Cat, Chance the Fun-Loving Bulldog Pup, and of course, the wise, <laughs> patriarchal, golden retriever, Shadow. We didn't know what the interviews were for until we started getting calls from friends across the country who had seen our interview playing before all films at AMC theaters. That's nice. Pretty, that's pretty that's cool. very cool. Paper writes in and says, I'm sure I saw movies before this, but the first I remember seeing is DuckTales the movie. DuckTales the movie was the first movie I ever saw on pay-per-view. Really? Yeah. Awesome movie. Okay. Michelle writes in and says, my earliest memory was either Jungle Book or Popeye. Leo said the first movie I saw was The Lion King when I was two years old. I don't remember much of it until I grew up once my mom told me about it. Catherine says, my first movie I remember seeing must have been A Bug's Life. I was only five years old. Nick says, Time Bandits, aged four in an old-fashioned one-screen San Francisco movie palace. Martin is giving me a thumbs down for some reason. On, on Time Bandits? You know what? He said Time Bandits, not Time Crimes. Uh, Unless he traveled back in time and brought his four-year-old <laughs> self into the future <laughs> so he could see Time Crimes. Anonymous Miss writes in and says the first movie I remember seeing in theaters was Leprechaun. I was four or five, and that movie destroyed oh, me. Oh, I think I read this, but like it's something about teeth, right? Where like now she brushes her teeth really well. My mom was off doing something with my dad and wanted to see a movie, so he brought me along. I guess one positive thing is that I started brushing my teeth really well so that the leprechaun couldn't steal my fillings. Lucienne writes in and says- That sounds like traumatizing, by the way. It's like child abuse. Yeah, you should really <laughs> confront your father. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon says, I guess Joel and Kevin's and my parents had the same idea because back in 1987, Masters of the Universe was the first movie I saw in theaters. Nate the Ape 21 says, I don't think it was my first movie, but the one I remember the most is Batman Returns. He's a young dude. Joy Spreader says, my first theater going experience took place when I was a very young child. I remember the film was The Little Mermaid. What a lot of Disney going on here. What do you want them to take him like? <laughs> take him to go see like, Showgirls. Showgirls. SC-17. Four-year-old. <laughs> Okay, Anonymous said, Bambi, see? I screamed my head off when it was implied that Bambi's mother was killed. I realized just then the cruel injustice in the world when my parents basically told me to suck it up. <laughs> it's a movie. <laughs> Shortly thereafter, my parents took me to see E.T. Yeah, another cry fest as E.T. begins to die. And again, the whispered talk about how it's just a movie. <laughs> I like that whispered talk. <laughs> to this day, and I'm 34, I refuse to watch Bambi or E.T. I can just picture the parents going, shh, it's just a movie. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut the hell up. Shut the hell up. Yeah. Uh, the mother's dead. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is interesting. Buffalo David writes it and says, okay, it's obvious that I'm older than everybody else here. Mine was Hansel and Gretel, 1954, an electronic puppet version of the Humperdinck opera adapted for children and using spoken dialogue as well as Humperdinck's music. I guess electronic puppet sounded cooler in 1954 than stop motion animation. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. And like that other email said like how we skew so ridiculous with our 90s references and stuff. It's amazing to hear that this older gentleman would, would listen would. to us for five seconds, you know? Yeah, I know. So I'm, I guess I'm pretty grateful that people yeah. are able to stick around. Absolutely. Finally, this guy's parents. <laughs> this guy's parents really abused him. I think the first film I remember seeing in theaters, probably because it was so traumatic, was Spawn. <laughs> <laughs> that that movie, by the way, I have the most checkered past with. <laughs> it was my elder brother's choice for the family to see this new movie in theaters. At the time, I was about six or seven, and I remember being so terrified. Gee, dudes with no skin, a fat blue face rapist clown, <laughs> and Satan. How could I be terrified? <laughs> anyway, I was so scared, my mom had to take me out of the theater where I cried until we got home. Anyway, that was the first film I saw in theaters. I feel for him because I'm still scared of John Leguizamo. He's not the violator. He's not the vindicator. He's not even the vibrator. Oh, God. I'm doing a line reading from Spawn. <laughs> that you have memorized. That I've memorized. Memorization. <laughs> you deserve to be committed. <laughs> Just put you in a home. People can take care of you. <laughs> Look after you. <laughs> Okay, so this week for the question of the week, what we decided to do was we wanted to keep the question oriented around the experience that you have with a movie rather than specific to the movie itself. So what me and Joel came up with this week is, are there any movies that you or your friends like that changes your opinion of your friend? For instance, I like Underworld and the Underworld series, and Joel thinks a lot less of me because of it. He's actually he's, he's actually scowling at me right now. He's not even speaking to me I've got a Paris Hilton-esque... He's Michelle Scala. Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah. He's Scala. really, he's actually angry at me. Can you think of an instance where you look down upon your friends or family because of their movie choices, whether they liked the movie or they didn't like it? Like your friend is like, Godfather's a piece of crap, you know, something like that. I hated Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Or the flip side, has anybody felt that way about you because you like Spice World or, or something? <laughs> crazy, crazy thing like that. God, it even existed. So please leave your answer to the question of the week in the comments section on yeahitsthatbad.com. Now it's time to announce the winner of the listener's choice poll. And the choices were Van Helsing versus Blade Trinity. And the winner is Van Helsing. You know, when I decided to put this in the listener's choice poll, I was not paying attention at all. I had no idea that this movie had Kate Beckinsale in it. And I had no idea that it was Steven Sommers again. So here we go again. But on the bright side, you get a huge jack. The jacked man. man. So I'm down with that. <laughs> All right. So tune in next week when we will be watching Van Helsing and we can finally put this damn Halloween theme be <laughs> behind us. We can never watch a horror themed movie ever again. <laughs> we can move on to like, real movies. Okay. So tune in next week when we will be watching Van Helsing. So if you're already seeing this movie, give us a call at 973-797-9324. Give us a call. Leave us a little, little mini review and we'll play it on the show. This call is free to anybody in the continental United States. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new 
episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help the show. And please help us break through from this 4.5 review on iTunes that we've been stuck at forever. We're so close to breaking the five-star barrier. Please like the show on Facebook. That helps spread the word of this fine podcast to all your friends. Plus, whenever we do the Yeah, It's That Good episode, you'll be on the cutting edge. Get in our good graces. Click like. Today. You can also follow us on Twitter at Yeah It's Bad, and you can listen to our show on your non-iPhone or Zoom devices on Stitcher, and you can get that at Stitcher.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. So are you excited to go apple picking tomorrow? Yeah, road apple picking. I'm going to put 10 pounds of shit in a 500 bag. <laughs> you look exhausted. No. You look it. You look like shit. Thanks, Joel. Man. You've been nothing but a support for me. <laughs> you are a support system and structure in my life. Without yeah. you, I'm the ballast that keeps you afloat. Thank you. Ballast makes you sick. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> then, yes, I am the ballast. <laughs>